Would you turn in the scripture this evening to 2 Corinthians, the 4th chapter, and Hebrews, the 10th chapter, 2 Corinthians 4, Hebrews 10. Let me remind you again about prayer on Wednesday nights. It's good for the church to pray. We have a responsibility to pray. Amen. A lot of people don't pray because they don't really believe that uh, it matters, that it makes a difference, but it does. I said it does. And uh, sometimes people say, well, God's God. He can do whatever he wants to. Well, he is limited in a degree by our prayer life. I know some folk don't like to hear something like that, but he's the one that said, you have not. Why? Because he decided not to give it to us? No, you have not because you didn't ask. Right? And the scripture in Matthew 7, 6 and 7 talks about he knows what we have need of before we ask him. But then he goes right on and says, ask. Still tells us to ask. Well, I don't even propose to understand all about it. But I know from understanding something of the scripture, there are legalities involved. And when we ask the Lord to do something in the earth, in faith, he has a legal right to do it for us. Amen. And if we don't, there are hindrances and limitations. How many remember Jesus said this, pray. Among other things, what we call the Lord's Prayer. Among other things, he said, pray, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, if his will is just going to be done automatically, why did he tell us to pray that it would be? Right? Something to think about. No, we have a part. And we need to ask. And we need to believe. And we need to expect. Well, part of of that is faith. Not enough just to ask. How many remember uh, James talks about if anybody lacks wisdom? Have you ever lacked wisdom? (laughs) Didn't know what to do? If anybody lacks wisdom, what did the scripture say do? Let him ask of God who gives to all men liberally. He's a generous, too much God. And upbraideth not. What is it going to say? But let him ask in faith nothing wavering. For he that wavers is like a wave of the sea. Right? Driven with the wind and tossed, cast about. So don't let that man, the wavering man, think he'll receive anything. So you, you, you can't waver and doubt. You got to ask in faith. Believing. What does that mean? When you, well, when you ask for something, you don't say, well, I wonder what's going to happen now. We asked, but we just have to wait and see because you never know. Like we've said many times before, is that a scripture? You just, so many Christians quote it, you think it was. They, they, they try to look wise and go, you just never know. You just never know. And something happened and folk go, yeah, well, you just never know. Is that a scripture? Do you know of the, that verse in the Bible? No. If you're in faith, do you know anything? Well, the only way you can be in faith is that you know the will of God about the thing. You have found the will of God in the scripture and by his spirit and you know. 
And if he told you to ask for something and you asked for it and believed you received it, could you count on him to do it in your life? Or do you just never know? No. So faith does know how this particular, there's a lot of things we don't know, but faith does know how this is going to turn out. Let me give you the most basic example. How many of you believe you've been born again? Huh? How many believe you're going to heaven? Do you know that? Or are you waiting until you die to find out? Huh? If you're saying, well, I try to live right, and we'll just have to wait and see, because you just never know, (laughs) then you ain't saved. Did you hear me? Well, I'm trying, and it's a sad thing that there are whole groups and whole religious groups that claim to believe in Jesus, but their basis for salvation is that doing good works. If they can do enough good works, then maybe we'll be so, we'll just have to wait till we get to the pearly gate and they'll put all the good works on one side of the scale and put all the bad works and we hope there's enough good to outweigh the bad and maybe we get the thumbs up from Peter and come on in. None of that's biblical. None of that's right. We cannot do it. None of us could ever do enough good works to save ourselves. That's why Jesus had to come and pay the price. And we just have to admit we couldn't save ourselves and we believe on what he did for us and we receive it by faith. And because of that, we're convinced we are saved. And it's by his grace and through our faith that we are saved. How many believe you are saved? You are saved. You are going to heaven. Amen. Well, it's your faith that has saved you. Amen. It's your faith that will heal you. It's your faith that will get your bills paid. It's your faith that will protect you. But you've got to quit this I just never know stuff. Amen. Go to fly on a plane somewhere. Go get in your car to take a trip. You, before, you, before you pull out of the drive, you say, I'm going to go and I'm going to come back. Amen. The Lord's going to keep me. The angels are going to go before me and clear the way and prepare my way. I'm going to go healthy. I'm going to come back healthy. Amen. 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 Well, we hope nothing happens. Well, that's not going to cut it. Are you with me? Talking about faith. 2 Corinthians 4. Are you there? 2 Corinthians 4. Let's pray before we read this. Father, we thank you. For the privilege of being here tonight together with each other and with your Holy Spirit whom you've sent to indwell us, to be our guide, to be our teacher. We've asked you and we do ask you corporately for utterance, for anointing, for the manifestation of the Spirit, for everybody to have eyes that see and ears that hear and a heart that's open and receptive. And Lord, we just ask you to do miracles in the hearts and minds and souls and bodies and lives of believers and people in this place tonight. Everything we need to see right now, show us. Everything we need to hear and understand, reveal to us. And we purpose by your grace not to be hearers only, but to be doers of the word. And as we do, we know we'll be blessed for you're faithful to watch over your word and perform it in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Everybody say this out loud, if you believe it. Say, the Word word. 
is working mightily in my life. The Word of God is producing miracle results in my life to the meeting of every need and to the glory of my God. Amen. If you believe that, it's exciting. It excites you. Amen. Good things are happening. Second Corinthians 4. He talks about the spirit of faith in verse 13, but he describes it in verse 8. So let's read it again. Second Corinthians 4, 8. The apostle Paul says, we're troubled on every side, yet we're not distressed about it. Could you have trouble all around you and not be stressed out? Is it possible? So then these people that say, I can't help but be stressed out are wrong. Right? They say, well, you don't understand. If you had in your life what I got in my life, you'd be stressed too. They're wrong. It is possible to have problems all around and yet be cool and have peace. It's possible by the spirit of faith. He said, we are perplexed. But not in despair. It's possible to not understand some things. Even be perplexed about it. It's kind of like the cartoon caption. With a big question mark over your head. And you're going huh? But just because you're going huh. And don't know some stuff. Doesn't mean you have to be depressed. And down. You can be perplexed. But not depressed. We're persecuted. You know the Bible says. They that will live godly in Christ Jesus. Shall be persecuted you know if you live right if you obey God if you're blessed not everybody's going to like it not everybody will be thrilled some people will talk about you you know you believe God and press through and get full of the spirit and get full of power and talk in tongues some folk will talk bad about you you believe God and get healed instead of die and folk will say well they're off the deep end they're in that healing stuff they believe in miracles they've lost it You believe God and sow your seed and tithe and make your confessions and stand and obey God. Come out of poverty. Pay off your debts and get rich. There'll be folk that don't like it. They'll make fun of you. Hmm? Come out of the dump and live in a nice place. There are people who write you little ugly grounds. (laughs) Nasty grounds and go, well, you shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't have that. Hmm? Persecuted, but what? Not forsaken. God's with us. Cast down, but not destroyed. One translation says knocked down, but not knocked out. Verse 13. We having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed and therefore have I spoken. We also, with that same spirit of faith, we believe. And so therefore we speak. You and I have the same spirit of faith that was in the patriarchs of old, in the Old Testament saints. Same spirit of faith that was in Abraham. Same spirit of faith that was in Moses when he stretched out his rod over the Red Sea. Same spirit of faith that was in Peter when he preached on the day of Pentecost. Same spirit of faith that was in Paul when he went all over the known world and established churches and and saw people healed and delivered, even the dead raised. You and I, you, 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 and I have the same 
Holy Ghost, the same spirit of faith in us that our Lord and Master Jesus walked this earth with. Now that's something. We ought to be overcomers. We ought to be more than conquerors. We ought to get our prayers answered on a regular basis. We ought to get our needs met and our babies healed. Amen. Amen. Why? Because we're not doubters. We're not defeated. What the scripture said, this is the victory that overcomes the world. What? What's the victory that overcomes the world? Even our faith. First John says. Oh, hallelujah. Glory. That's exciting. I said, that's exciting. So how are you going to come out of that slump? How are you going to come out of that debt? How are you going to overcome that physical problem? How are you going to overcome your problems in your marriage? Problems with your kids, your teenagers, your business, whatever it is. What is the victory that overcomes any and every problem in the world? It's your faith. How many times do we see in the gospel accounts, Jesus turn around and look at people and say, your faith healed you. Your faith made you whole. Your faith has saved you. Jesus said it repeatedly. Nothing has changed in this order today. That's how needs are met. That's how prayers are answered. That's why we're called Faith Life Church. That's why we preach on faith. And some folk want to make fun and mock. But listen, if it's the only way to please God, if it's how you overcome, if it's how you walk with God, how you live, how you receive, if it's the victory that overcomes the world, we ought to be talking about it. Go on then to Hebrews, now the 10th chapter, and that leads into, of course, to the great 11th chapter of Hebrews, the great uh, hall of fame of faith, because I, I, having understood a little bit about faith a few decades ago, got hungry for faith when I saw that was my missing link. That's why I hadn't been getting results. That's why... Uh, I and even different ones of my family and even generations had stayed in some areas that weren't the perfect will of God. I saw faith was my answer. God's my answer, but he needs my faith to give him a legal right to do it for me. God is not moved by needs. Did you hear me? God is not moved by needs. God's not moved just even by intense desire. If he was moved by needs, miracles would be popping all over the earth tonight. Because there are needs everywhere. Needs is not what moving God. Even intense desire. You can plead, you can beg, oh I want this, oh I want it, I want it, please. Begging doesn't move God. Intense desire doesn't move God. But like Smith Wigglesworth said in one of his books, he said there's something about faith. That will cause God to pass over a million people to get to you. And it's just a fact. It's it's confirmed throughout the scriptures. That the Lord did things for people of faith. That he did not do for others. He's no respecter of persons. He doesn't play favorites in that sense. So what made the difference? It was some believe. Some don't. Some have faith. Some doubt. Say it again. I'm a believer. I have faith. My faith works. Now in Hebrews 10. 
Hebrews 10 and verse 35. Let's read again. Hebrews 10.35 says, Cast not away, therefore, your confidence. Confidence is a faith word. Which has great recompense of reward. You know, skipping down, you're familiar just a little bit later. He said, without faith it's impossible to please God. For he that comes to God must believe, believe what? That he is, that God exists, and that he is God. And what else must you believe? That he is a rewarder of those who diligently, seriously, sincerely seek him. There's so many people that have a problem with you telling them God's a good God. God will make you rich. I've had people meet me in the parking lot and want to beat me up over that statement. I thought they were going to hit me. Made them so mad. Well, does God want you broke or does he want you rich? Hmm? Or just mediocre? Is he broke? Is he rich? We don't know what rich is beside what he is. Does he tell us not to be like him? Or does he tell us to be imitators of God as dear children? God's a good God. You tell people God wants you healed. God wants everybody healed. And it makes some people mad. They think, well, no, 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 no. Well, is he a good God? Is he a healer? Is he healing people or making them sick? Or do you just never know which you're going to get? (laughs) Now listen. A three-year-old could get this if we just keep it this simple. God is a good God and he does good things. The devil is a bad devil and he does bad things. And never do the two swap jobs. Never. And they're not working together. Mm -mm. What did Jesus say? The thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. Jesus said, these are the words of the master. Don't let some confused theologian mix you up about this. If it is stealing, if it is killing, if it stole something out of your life, if it destroyed something out of your life, if it killed something in your life, who did Jesus say did it? The thief. The devil. Is, is God the thief? No. Certainly not. What an insult would it, it would be to try to say God was the thief. He said, the thief comes, not but for to steal, kill, and destroy. But he said, I am come. Out of Jesus' mouth. Why did you come, Lord? What are you doing? I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. I believe that. That's what I believe. Not somebody's book. Right? So don't cast away your confidence. It has great recompense of what? God's a rewarder. You reach up, he reaches down. Amen. You believe him and he will show up. You have need of patience that after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. Verse 38. The just shall live how? By faith. But if any man draw back, my soul will have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. We talked about this. Faith steps out. Faith steps out. 11.1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence 
of things not seen. Let me say it like this. If you're in faith about something, it is not yet and it is not seen. If you see it, you can't be in faith about it. If it's happened already, you can't be in faith about it. Faith is the substance of things what? Hoped for. Now the word hope, if you look up the the Greek word, it means expected. Expectation. So faith is the confidence or the ground, the, the foundation of things expected. If you're in faith, you're expecting. Right? Well, I thought you're supposed to believe you've already received. You do. You believe by faith you have it. You believe you have received in here. In your heart. But it hadn't happened out here. Till it happens. Right? I believe I received my healing. Yeah, but I still hurt. If I'm in faith, I'm expecting the pain to go away. If I'm in faith, I'm expecting my body to change for the good. Amen. If I'm expecting to get worse and die, I'm not in faith. If I'm making funeral plans, hmm, I'm not in faith. Don't care how much you prayed. Don't care how much, how many scriptures you quoted. If you're planning to die, you're not expecting to live. And one thing that, that is a, a acid test and telltale sign, if you're in faith, you're going to be excited. If you believe you're going to live instead of die, that makes you happy, not sad. If you believe you're going to be able to pay your bills instead of go under, that makes you happy, not depressed. No such thing as being in faith about the thing and being depressed about it. Being down. You show me a faith person, I'll show you somebody with joy and peace. Amen. Amen. No matter what it looks like on the outside, faith will breathe a sigh of relief and go, it's going to be all right. You just watch. The money's on the way. I don't know how, I don't know from where, don't have to know. But the money is on the way. Amen. God will get it from somewhere and he'll come by it honest. And we'll pay these bills. You breathe a sigh of relief and you, you cease from your own labors like Hebrew says. And you go, it's going to be okay. We're going to live. We're not going to die with this. Sometimes people try to look so I say, well, if you never got sick, brother, how would you ever die? <laughs> like that's such a hard question. Simple. You leave your body. Hmm? It's kind of like this. If you had your hand in a glove. If you pull your hand out of the glove, how you ever get that glove to be still? <laughs> it's not a problem because there's no life in the glove when the hand comes out. Amen. That's the way your spirit is inside your body. All your body has to do to die is for your spirit to leave it. And then the body will be dead. So you can die without sickness and disease. You can die without being shot or without being crushed or a car wreck or any, any such thing. 
It's possible for you to live out your full length of days down here below. Be old and satisfied. And completely do all the will of God for your life. I know of cases like this. I'm thinking of a man right now. He he was older and had had a full life in ministry. A man of God. He told his folks. He said, I'm going home tomorrow morning at nine. Nine o'clock. They said, what? You're already home. You know, daddy. He said, no, I'm going home. And they talked among the kids and said, is he losing it? What's wrong? What's it? Sure enough, nine o'clock, he had breakfast, went in there, sat down in the rocking chair, smiled, left his body. Hallelujah. Went to be with Jesus. No struggling, no IV tubes, no heart-lung machine. That's the way to go. I said, that's the way to go. Amen. Amen. The scripture says in Numbers, let me die the death of the righteous. And let my last end be like his. There's a good way to go. There's a right way to go. And a right time and season. And there's a wrong time to go. I mean, you know, people that die in their teen years and mid-twenties and mid-thirties and such. Never is that the perfect will of God. Did you hear me? No. No. Now, I know some people don't agree with that, but that's all right. Don't, don't, Don't think about opinions Scriptures, scriptures. What does the scripture say? Amen. Now, I I should qualify that. There are situations where people have been martyred for the Lord in midlife. And they did that and chose that. They could have delivered themselves. Hebrews talks about this. But I'm talking about being killed from a disease or from an accident, or some such thing. Never is that the perfect will of God for people to die like that in midlife. And you know, Some say, well, a good friend of mine did, a relative. Well, I understand if they're saved, they went to be with the Lord. And that's better than being here. Amen. Amen. But they may have been robbed of some years that they could have had. And no need looking back. But I'm saying, don't say, well, you know, case hurrah, hurrah. Whatever will be, will be. We just don't know. You just never know. No, when, when, when the jig is up, when your number's up, that's it. I don't have time to go into it tonight. We're talking about something else. But if you look at the scriptures, there are numerous verses that talk about certain things you do that will shorten your life. Other things you do that will lengthen your life. Amen. And one of my favorite verses is Psalm 91 with long life. He will satisfy me and show me his salvation. So if you're not satisfied at 75, keep living. If you're not satisfied at 85, keep living. If you're not satisfied at 95, keep living till you get satisfied. Amen. In uh, Hebrews 11, verse 2, he went on to say, For by it, by faith, the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand the worlds were framed by the word of God. So that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. So we see it is faith that causes God to commend us and give us the good report. It's faith that pleases him. We see that God through his faith created the planets. And you and I are to be imitators of God. We frame our world with faith-filled words. If you don't like your life, start framing it differently with what you say and with faith in it. Start saying, I'm coming out of this. 
If it's a problem, something been holding you back, start saying, this is changing in my life. Something you've always wanted to do, but it seems like there's no way. Start saying, I will do this. Amen. And release faith through you, even though it doesn't change overnight or in a week. Put your faith on it. Put your words on it. Stay with it. Live like that. And it'll change. I tell you what, just in the last, uh, oh, I don't know, four or five years, we've, we've done things, Phyllis and I and the ministry have done things that we said we would do 20 years ago that looked utterly impossible. How in the world could an old boy from Mississippi with red mud between his toes, dumb as a post, give some of those amounts, do some of those things? Well, God is no respecter of persons. Amen. I don't care where you are from or what you know or don't know. It makes no difference if you didn't have higher education, if you have faith. Well, I don't know anybody. Yeah, you do. You know him. Amen. And start saying it. Instead of crying and complaining and begging, well, I, I, I can't find the right person. I want to be married and I want to have a family. I can't find the right person. And you won't like that. You're framing depression. You're framing darkness in your future. No, stir yourself up, make your tongue do its duty and say, no, boy, I will have the right situation. The Lord has picked out the right person for me. And at the right time, he'll put us together and we'll have his perfect will. Amen. Amen. And talk faith only. Laying in bed and crying, feeling sorry for yourself never helped anybody. Everybody say faith. Keep reading. He said, we talked about this for a couple of weeks now. By faith, Abel offered Fluffy. (laughs) Remember that? If you weren't here, we went into that. He offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, and God testified of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaks. This man is in this book about his faith, about an offering. His faith was expressed through his gift. It takes faith to give, doesn't it? People say, I can't afford to give. I can't afford to tithe. It's not about being afforded to. It's a faith proposition. It's not a lack of money that keeps people from giving. It's a lack of faith. Every time. There's nobody so broke. They can't afford to give. There is no such thing. No. And I know what I'm talking about. Because I come from Brokeville. I come from being very poor. And uh, you have to start where you are. And it's a matter of heart and faith. I know of a man. A situation of a person who was in India. In abject poverty. I mean you talk about poverty. Sleeping on the dirt. His livelihood was going out into the brush and finding dry grass and weaving it into mats and going door to door and selling them for nothing. That's how he got enough food to subsist. He got a hold of the word of God about tithing and giving and that God's a good God and wanted to bless you. And he believed it. And he began to give. All he had was his grass. But he began to sow of his grass to different people, including his, his church and different individuals, and, and, and begin immediately begin to come up. Next thing you know, he had some chickens, Hello. sowed some eggs. 
Next thing you know, he has a bicycle. And within a few years, he has an export rug company. Has his own house. Has a car. Sometimes people say, oh, this, this is a Western gospel. This won't work in, in third world. You ought not go preach that to people that don't have anything. You just ought to go in and give. No, that's doing people a disservice. Everybody needs to learn the laws of sowing and reaping. Everybody needs to learn to tithe and put God first. Because God is our source. It's not men meeting your needs. You don't want anybody to be dependent on you all their life. No. We've seen it again and again and again. The scripture said God would take somebody from the dung heap, from the garbage pile, and sit them with princes. Amen. Well, Abel, through his faith, offered the more excellent sacrifice. Verse 5, we read earlier, connecting it with the uh, the first part, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and, and was not found because God had translated him. Before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. And without faith, it's impossible to please him, please God. For he that comes to God must believe. You can't get to God any other way except believing. Believing that he is. Believing that God exists, that he is real, and that he is God. Now, do you see the dilemma that doubters find themselves in? They say, well, if God would prove himself to me, I'd believe in him. But it's impossible to find him unless you believe in him. Did you hear that? No. You, You can't come to God unless you believe that he is. Well, I don't believe in him. If he had proved to me that he's real, then I'd believe in him. No, it doesn't work that way. You just judged yourself unworthy of salvation. No, but you must believe that he is, and you got to believe he's a good God. you got to believe he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. How many believe if you serve him, you give him your all, you obey him, he's going to cause you to eat the good of the land. He's going to bless you and promote you. There's no way you can serve God faithfully and not be blessed. He's a rewarder. Say it out loud. He's a rewarder. He's a blesser. He's a prosperer. He's a promoter. He's a rewarder. Amen. He's a good God. That's why Brother Oral Roberts used to always say, God's a good God. And God's going to do something good for you today. Well, that's faith, isn't it? Simple, basic faith, expecting, instead of getting up going, oh, no, another day i got to go to work, got to get money and pay bills. No, expect something good, something better than what you had thought about to happen for you today, because God's just that way, and you open the door for him to do it. Verse 7, now finally getting to our next verse for this week. Verse 7, somebody says, why do you do all that, that review? Because I want to. Because <laughs> I think I should. Amen. If I didn't, I'd just go straight to this verse. I could do that. I could just cut right straight to verse 7. But I don't want to. Because <laughs> I, don't, I don't sense that that's what we should do. You understand, uh, I, I, I don't know if you've thought about it this much, but in Ecclesiastes... There's a scripture that sounds too simplistic, but it says, when a tree falls, wherever the tree falls, that's where it lays. 
People go, oh, that's deep. That's deep. <laughs> wherever the tree falls, if it falls to the west or the north, wherever the tree falls, that's where it lays. Hmm. Well, I grew up in the country. We went out and, and, and cut timber. I, I logged for a while. Uh, we, we cut pulp wood and we did different things, especially logging. You're out in the thick woods. If you want to cut a tree, uh, a term for it is to lay the tree. You want to lay the tree where you want it, especially if you're in a subdivision. <laughs> you don't just crank up your saw and cut the tree and go, whoa, 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 that's the wrong way. That's, ah, mushed Mr. Smith's house. That's foolish. Wisdom says, where do we want this tree to lay? And cut the tree in such a way that the tree lays where we want it to lay. Dr. Hagen, Kenneth Hagen, who I had the privilege of serving with for a number of years, told me this one day in the speaker's room. He said, uh, he said, this is the way laying, because he's a great one to review. I, I learned from him too. Sometimes all we would do for weeks was review. That's all we'd do. We'd just keep reviewing. And uh, he told me this in the speaker's room one day. I'll never forget it. He said uh, so many times, he said, you got all these little trees that are around the big tree. And if you cut the tree, it'll just fall in the tops. It'll move a couple of feet and get stuck in the other little trees and it won't fall. So you got to get these little trees out of the way. So you can lay the big tree where you want it. Amen. Amen. Excellent wisdom. You got to get these other things. A lot of times people are not ready to hear a thing. Other things have to be taken care of. And and the Lord's moving us somewhere to where we can lay the big tree. Amen. In our heart. And then it's laid in our heart. And it's a permanent thing. We'll think that way and believe that way forever. Hallelujah. And where the tree lays... That's where it stays. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I'm telling you my secrets now. That I learned from other people in the Lord. But uh, Hebrews 7. Let's get into this. By faith. Everybody say by faith. What does verse 8 say? By. What about verse 9? By faith. Verse 11. Through faith. Verse 17, by faith. Verse 20, by faith. Verse 21, by faith. faith. Verse 22, by faith. faith. Verse 23, is the Lord just short on words that he finds it necessary to repeat? Why does he use the same phrase? Because how are you going to do things? How are you going to come out? Get your prayers answered. Get your body healed. By everything that you go to do in this life, the just shall live by faith. Amen. By faith, Noah, a man of God, being warned of God of things not seen as yet. Now that goes back to our definition, doesn't it? Faith is the substance of what? Things hoped for. The evidence of if it's faith, it's not seen. You hear people say, well, when I see it, I'll believe it. It's too late to believe it when you see it. Did you get that? <laughs> Some folk didn't get that. 
Hebrews 11.1, 1, the definition of faith, what does it say? Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, or we said that means expected, and it is the evidence of things not seen. So if, you, if you're in faith about it, it's not seen. You could also say it's not felt. It's not perceived. And people say, well, I'll believe that when I see it. No, you won't. If you saw it, you're not believing it. You're seeing it. Right? <laughs> Believing comes in before you see it. Once you see it, you can't believe it. You say, well, I, well, now all the symptoms are gone and the doctor gives me a clean bill of health and he tells me I'm healed. So now I believe I'm healed. No, you don't. You feel healed. You look healed. You're not believing you're healed. Did you hear me? But when you don't feel healed, when you got the bad report, when you hurt, now's when you believe. I believe I'm healed. Amen. Somebody says, well, yeah, but you're not. You could say, yeah, that's why I'm believing I am. They'll shake their heads and go, how can you believe you're healed when you're not? That's the only time I could believe I am. Amen, because when it, it's fruition, when I feel it and see it, it's too late to believe for it. Well, when the money comes in, I'll believe it. Too late to believe it. There it is. You see it, right? Are you with me now? Noah believed what God said in warning about the flood coming before he saw the flood. What if he'd have said well, when I see it, <laughs> I'll drown. <laughs> right? I mean, it was, I mean, there was a whole, the whole world was full of people that were scoffers and doubters. He and his family were the only ones fit to save. Is that right? And why did God, was God able to save them? They believed. They believed in him. They endeavored to serve him and live righteously. He was a preacher of, of what's right. Righteousness, the Bible said. And he believed before he saw. Not only that, he believed that a flood was coming when as yet nobody had seen a rain. Hmm? Talk about faith. Go back to Genesis 2, please. Genesis 2 and verse 4. Genesis 2, 4. This is early, isn't it? Genesis 2? It's a long time ago. These are the generations of the heavens and of the earth when they were created. Somebody said, I thought it was the Big Bang. Well, I expect there was a big bang when God said, let there be light. In the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, this did not happen accidentally. 
And every plant of the field before it was in the earth, and every herb of the field before it grew, God knew them and created them. For the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the earth. There was not a man to till the ground. But there went up a mist from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. The atmosphere was perfect. There were no thunderstorms. There were no strong winds. Much less tornadoes or hurricanes or any such thing. It was perfect. Sprinkler system without the sprinkler. The mist came up just at the right time. And a nice cool mist fell and watered everything. Not too much. Not too little. Happened every day. Not going to be long. It's going to be restored like that. There's going to be a new heavens. New earth. It'll never be too hot. It'll never be too cold. Hallelujah. Won't that, I mean it's no wonder Adam and Eve didn't, didn't even have to have a house. It was perfect. There was nothing to get out of. Didn't even say get in out of the rain. There was no rain. Oh, you know, we we don't know what it was like in the beginning. It's even in its fallen condition, the earth is full of beauty. Even in its fallen, cursed condition, right now, it's beautiful. Can you imagine what it was like before the fall? Not really. We came, but we're gonna find out. I said, we're going to find out soon and very soon. I'm almost ready to go right now, aren't you? Let's just say, Lord, let's wind this thing up and, and get right into it. But he wants more people saved. Amen. He wants a lot more people to go in with us. So that's what he's patient for. That's what he's waiting for. The precious fruit of the earth, James says. So there was a mist. And God comes and tells Noah, there's going to be a flood. A what? A flood. He couldn't even look up flood in the dictionary. (laughs) But water is going to come. It's going to come out of the ground. It's going to come out of the ocean. It's going to come out of the sky. It's going to inundate and flood the whole planet. And you got to get ready and build an ark. Noah did not understand this. But he believed it. He had never seen anything like this. He had never heard of anything like this, but he believed it. And so he went to work. Everybody say work. Work. Faith without action is dead. Faith without work is dead. Works. If you believe something, you act on it. It's not enough to just sit up and go, I believe that and do nothing. Faith A living faith will prompt you to step out, to act, to obey, to do. Go back to Hebrews 11, please. Read the rest of this verse. Hebrews 11, 7. By faith Noah, being warned of God, of things not seen as yet. Hear people say, well, I've never seen a healing. Well, great, you're a candidate for a miracle. I've never seen supernatural debt cancellation and and, and being paid off. I've never seen somebody just walking up to me and handing me a check. Somebody calling me and say, forget about that debt. I've never seen anything like that. Well, it's time you did. Right? Well, when I see it, I'll believe it. No, you won't. 
No, you won't. It'd be too late. And the people who see it are the people who believe it before they see it. Amen. And not only that, if you believe it before you see it, you will get ready for it. Just like Noah. Do you like faith as much as I do? I get so excited talking about these things. I think I'd just preach it just for myself if you wouldn't even hear. But I'm glad you are. Noah, being warned of God, of things not seen as yet, he was moved with fear. He said, "Uh oh, it's all going to be destroyed with a great flood. I got to get ready. God told him what to do, how to get ready. And he did what? What's the next word? What's the next word? Prepare. Everybody say it out loud. What's the word? Prepared, prepared, prepared. I looked up this word and and it means uh, to set up, to make ready, to arrange. To get things set up. Did he start immediately getting things set up so he could build this thing? He did, didn't he? It cost a lot of money to do this. This was a long project. Some people estimate that he worked on this for a hundred years. One hundred years. Didn't see a rain any one of those years. And the people no doubt stood out and scoffed. Well, the Bible talks about scoffers, how they stood out and scoffed. Where's this flood, old man? Tell us again. Water's going to come out of the sky. <laughs> yeah. Y'all ever seen any water come out of the sky? No. Your granddad ever seen any water? No. Your great, 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 great grandpa ever seen any water come out of the sky? No. Water does not come out of the sky, you crazy old man. <laughs> he said, I'm getting ready. I believe. God said a flood's coming, a flood's coming. Oh, friend, this is so typical of you and I today. The Bible tells the ministry of John the Baptist was to go and prepare a people for the coming of the Lord. And he went and said, get ready, get ready, because he's coming. And he did. And how many know that the angel said when he left this earth, this same one that left like you saw, he is coming again. That's our ministry today is to get folks ready. And the people who have faith are preparing for his coming. The people who don't believe are not getting ready. How many are preparing? You're here. You're in church tonight while other folks are in bars. Right? Chasing women or men or whatever. But you're here. Why are you here? You believe something. Right? You believe God is real. You believe he's coming soon. You believe there's a job to do in the earth before he comes back. You believe you have a part. Amen. If you believe it, you're getting ready. Faith prepares. Faith gets ready. Big faith prepares big. (laughs) Little faith prepares a little. No faith doesn't prepare at all. Are you in faith about anything tonight? How would we know? I said, how would we know that you're in faith about something? 
you know, I keep talking about the church, but it's so fresh and so real to me. We got with no indication that a soul would come in this place. The first service we got ready for at least 500 people. Phyllis kept saying, I just believe 500 people is going to come. Some folk would look at us and go, right. Okay, sister. And I said, yeah, let's get ready. We did everything we knew to get ready. I remember the, the last uh, airplane I got, which we have right now. Wonderful tool. The Lord dealt with us that we, we ought to have this kind of airplane. It's a twin. And it's very nice. Cabin class. Pressurized. Air conditioned. And uh, so we claimed one. And we sowed our seed. And we claimed the money to come in for it. And months passed. Everybody say months. months. And a year passed. Year. See months and years don't phase faith. A hundred years. Man kept getting ready. Right? See, this is what separates the men from the boys and the girls from the women faith-wise. Anybody can stay excited for two days, get ready for a week. But when you really have faith, you just keep getting ready. Right? And you never quit. We got a place to put the airplane. No airplane. I ordered chocks for the wheels and put my tail number on them. And sit them out in the hangar and, and, and put them out. I, I, I measured off my spots, you know, how tall it would need to be for the tail to come in and how wide the wings are and, and, and where you take the, the, the uh, tope thing and you, you push it back in and I measured, okay, and I put my big X. The, the left main wheel goes here and the right main wheel goes, here's where the nose wheel goes and we even bought a tug to move the airplane. No airplane. Out here. But I believed I had received one in here. I don't see it yet. But I believe I got one. Amen. And because I believe I've got one. I'm expecting. Don't know how. But some way. Something's going to work out. I'm going to be able to get it. Amen. And so if I believe. I got an airplane coming in. Well what if it showed up today. Where would you put it. Can't put it in the garage. Right? What if somebody called me today and said, Brother Keith, the Lord dealt with me to give you this airplane or, or help you get in this airplane. Where would you put it? Well, I tell you what, when it did come in, I had a spot for it. I, ha- I mean, I had a, a cabinet over there with cleaning supplies. Amen. Amen. Everything you needed to take care of it. And praise God, it's sitting in the hangar now with the tug sitting beside it, with the cabinet. It's all the stuff was there. I know a man, a friend, uh, acquaintance of mine, I should say, in another country. He and his wife uh, were told they could not have children. He's a man of God. Both of them believe God. And for years, they tried everything they knew. She could not conceive multiple problems. Finally, they got on the word and they began to put their faith on this thing. And they claimed and they believed they received a child and conception and and perfect term and carriage and, and delivery and all that. And you know what else they did after that? They made a place for that baby. Amen. They made a place in their house and they decorated it. And, they, and then some people say, oh, oh, that's a mistake. Oh, that's a mistake. That's because you don't believe. See, you're, you're afraid of disappointment. 
which means you're not convinced. Did you hear me? No. Well, well, you'll be so built up and then you'll be so let down. You're acting like it's not going to happen, which means you don't believe it. You're not persuaded. No. I didn't sit around in the hangar and go, what if that plane don't come? What will I do with this? Well, I just, what will I do? I've spent all this money. What if it don't come? Now listen, here, here's the thing. First of all, you must hear from God. Don't just decide something off the top of your head. First of all, you must hear from God. On some of these things, we prayed about it, looked at it for months. Sometimes years before we said, yep, this is what we're believing for. Get it settled from the word. Get it settled in your own prayer life. Get it settled in your heart. And I'm not talking about say, well, I believe I got a bunch of money coming in. So I'm going to go out and max all my credit cards. (laughs) That's ignorant. No, I'm not talking about seeing how much debt you can get in. I'm talking about to the best of your ability, prepare for what you're believing to come in. I know people in healing that have had miraculous healings in meetings. They came, been lame, been paralyzed for years and brought a new pair of shoes to the service. You hear that kind of thing? Brought a new pair. Why? There's no reason for you to bring shoes. Yeah, if you believe you're going to be healed, it is. Faith gets ready. Faith prepares for the fulfillment of God's word. Somebody say amen. Amen. Glory to God. Hebrews 11, 7, by faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear. What did he do? Prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. Noah was saved. Years passed. Decades passed. Perhaps a century passed. And he kept getting ready. This consumed his life. This consumed his whole family's life. Everybody worked on this ark. What do you do on Monday morning at 7 o'clock? You're thinking about the ark. Right? We work on the ark. Tuesday night and Wednesday morning. And Saturday afternoon, we work on the ark. We work on the ark. Year after year after year. With not a raindrop falling out of the sky. But, don't you know. That when the clouds rolled in. And it got so black and the thunder started peeling and the, the, the windows, the gates of heaven opened and floods came out from above and floods came out from under the ocean. Don't you know? They were glad. Amen. They believed. Amen. And that they got ready. Right. And one of these days soon, you and I are going to be so glad that we believed while we were alive on this earth Amen. and that we got ready. When people are screaming for the mountains to come and fall on them and hide them, you and I will be robed in white. Hallelujah. You and I will not be afraid before him because we'll be like him. Amen. Not be terrified at his coming because we're made in his likeness and image. Oh, we're going to be so glad that we didn't waste our whole life in the earth, but we prepared. We got ready. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, 
you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.